When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Salah. Cancelo. Oh, it's brilliant from Mo Salah. And still, Salah. Oh, sensational. Son had a goal and still the beauty. Oh, what a strike from Yuri Tielemans. De Bruyne. Oh. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, EPL Index proudly brings to you the best prediction podcast in the world, a tad predictable, with your host, Tariwa Chanakira, and his guest, Jake Jackman! It's Game Week 24, and you know what that means. It's time for another brand new episode of A Tad Predictable. It's back to business now. The transfer window is officially over. Teams now, whatever you have, that's it. You have to make do until the end of the season. Try and finish as high up the table as you possibly can. I am joined by Newcastle fan, resident of Attack Predictable, Jake Jackman. Jake, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on again. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, should should be a good one. I know both of our teams didn't necessarily get the results they were hoping for this weekend. Um, oh, yeah, this past weekend. But heading into the next weekend, unfamiliar territory for both of our teams having pretty much seven days to prepare for a game is is that a relief for you yeah definitely i think so um i think yeah i think um it'll be good to get back to playing fewer matches uh we had we had our time uh in champions league and uh playing those matches and we obviously saw what that did to the squad uh proving it wasn't quite ready but hopefully now we're, we're down to just a few a game a week, we should be able to get back to our best, hopefully, fingers crossed, especially with uh, players coming back as well. And yeah, I think that'll be the case for some other teams as well. Um, so yeah, hopefully we'll, we'll see Newcastle improve a lot over the coming week. Speaking of getting back to their best, let's start the weekend off with the first fixture. It's Man City versus Everton. It's that 12.30 kickoff. Look, with Man City games, especially at the Etihad at this time of the season, most of the talk is about damage control if you're the opposition and, and trying to keep the, the the goal line difference respectable. Do you see Everton causing Man City more problems than just that? Um, I think with Man City, they always do give up. They do always give you a chance. Uh, we've seen that in the last few weeks. I don't think they've kept many clean sheets in the last couple of months. They always seem to give up chances um, and quite often they're quite big chances too. 
Um, so yeah, I think he, he, against anybody, you, you, you always uh, fancy the, the opposition having a chance against City. But the problem is the other, going the other way. It seems that they are finding their stride now. Obviously, De Bruyne's back and, and showing some great form. Haaland came back into start eleven on Monday. Um, there was definitely some ring rust there, but he, he's only going to, you know, we know what he, he brings and he, he's a guarantee. Uh, no worries about him. And then Foden getting a hat-trick uh, just shows that they're not even reliant on just those two players. But I think we've come to learn that anyway. Um, See, so yeah, I would expect Everton to to have a chance or two this weekend. I think at home City are stronger and their defence is stronger, but they still give up a chance or two. But Everton are, are a team that that do struggle to score goals. Obviously, they got two last week against Tottenham, but um, before then, they had uh, been goalless in a few games. So, um, yeah, I'd expect them to have a chance or two, but I just don't really think they'll, they'll have the clinical edge to take them and, and City go on the other end. just look like they're hitting their stride. So, I'm, I'm pretty confident that City will win this one quite comfortably. Um, I'll say 2-0, but it will be a very comfortable 2-0. Yeah, I think that's the big issue for me with Everton is not being able to put the ball in the back of the net. Having your number nine striker, your main striker, not in form, he gets a goal taken away from him this past weekend. That's not going to help his confidence. Hopefully they just give it to him um, to psychologically try and get him going this season. But yeah, for me, I think City are ramping up slowly into form. You mentioned the fact that uh, De Bruyne is back. He's looking to ramp up his minutes. Haaland, yes, a bit of rustiness there, especially that chance when you're through on goal. Most people would have expected him to finish when it's coming into the box on the right-hand side there. Um, but those things will come with more game time, and I'm sure he'll be back to devastating form. I think a home game, enough time to prep for this one for City. I- I've gone 3-0, a bit more aggressive than you, but I can see them continuing to put the pressure on uh, a Liverpool side that obviously we'll be talking about sooner or later. But let's move on first to Fulham versus Bournemouth. Obviously, from a Fulham perspective, that 2-2 draw against Burnley last time out, and then obviously um, when it comes to Bournemouth, I think not too long ago they were the informed team in the Premier League. A couple of results haven't necessarily gone their way you know, you talk about that 1-1 draw with Nottingham Forest. Arguably, at home, Bournemouth would have been thinking that's a game we need to win despite the the recent rise of Nottingham Forest, um, in, you know, in, in the last couple of weeks. I think this could be a, a good game. Uh, you'd hope Breuer gets more minutes, gets uh, more ingrained into that Fulham team. But I'm, I'm going to pip Bournemouth away from home with Dominic Solanke, who's due uh, uh, another big game in terms of fantasy points, I'm going to go two-one to Bournemouth. Yeah, I think that's a good a good show. Um, Fulham, I think have been have been very inconsistent. They've uh, had some had some good games. They've got knocked out of both cups in quick succession, and that's been a bit of a body blow. There's, there's still a few injuries there. I know Jimenez is is uh, his. Uh, is doubtful for for the next few weeks at least. Um, and yeah, they did sign Broder, which it would be interesting to see if um, he comes into the team and, and what he offers. They'll be hoping he's as successful as their last sort of um, Scandinavian striker. Um, so yeah, it'd be be interesting to see how how that goes. Um, Bournemouth, I think, have been quite an informed team, but they just seem to be struggling just to to kill off matches. Um, it does seem that they're very reliant on Solanke for goals. Um, 
and that, that can happen sometimes. Um, you know, these these teams lower down the league are can sometimes be relying on one one player or a couple of players for goals. Um, but I do think they've been playing some good football. Um, so yeah, it's a tough it's a tough game to call. Um, Fulham obviously um, didn't hold on last week, um, so maybe there's some concerns there. But they do seem to be better at home. They do seem to play better at football at home. So yeah. It's a really tight game to call this one. Um, there's sort of two teams that you'd expect to be in mid-table. Um, neither of them have got that much hope of climbing into that top half or, or have any fears of being pulled into the, to the bottom three. So, um, yeah, it's a tight game to call. I think I'm going to go for the same score as last week for Fulham. I think it's going to be a 2-2, but um, I think it could be quite an entertaining one. That would be quite a, a fun game. Uh, let's move on to aforementioned Liverpool. They will be hosting Burnley. Now, I... I think it's fair to say that was a disappointing performance from Liverpool um, last time out at the Emirates against Arsenal, a big game, trying to extend the gap at the top of the table. What what were your thoughts on, on how that Liverpool team looked and what we can expect from them uh, against Burnley? Yeah, it was, I, I was hopeful that Liverpool might go to Arsenal and get something. They, they seem to be the team, the way they sort of dominated Chelsea uh, just a few days prior. Um, they looked really good, created so many chances. Um, maybe a reflection that was more to do with Chelsea than it was to do with Liverpool that day. Uh, we're seeing how reliant they're on Mo Salah um, and he's still a big mess. Um, Diaz, uh, Nunes and uh, Jota have all shown good, good performances during this run, but none of them are at the level of Salah. Um yeah, that's a one that continues to be missing. I think Sabotelai was quite a big miss too. They didn't seem to have that control in midfield. Arsenal seemed to, to to have to run a bit in there. Jorginho played especially well, and it just seemed that Liverpool just didn't quite have the profile of player to to dominate that away from home. But this weekend, I didn't think I have the same issue. Uh, I think even you know without Salah again, if he's not available, then uh, they they should be fine. Burnley, I think most people are expecting them to go straight back down now. They do seem to. Concede a lot of high quality chances and live at home just seem to run rampant at the moment. I can't, I can't see them dropping any more points, uh, at Anfield, uh, for the rest of the season. So yeah, I think this should be comfortable for, for Burnley, uh, for Liverpool, sorry, against Burnley. Um, and like City as well, Liverpool do give up a chance and so maybe we'll see Burnley get one, but, um, I think this should be quite comfortable. I think I'll go 3-1 to Liverpool. Um, and yeah, they, they'll still give up that goal if they seem to do, but, um, they'll, they'll have enough to win the game. Yeah, in terms of certainly confidence at Anfield, Liverpool seem to to have that in bags. Just to elaborate on that Arsenal performance, I think I'd be more worried if Liverpool's performance was really good and they just couldn't handle Arsenal. Then maybe there's a bit more concern, but everyone just seemed to play really badly in that game. Um, Alisson and Van Dijk making mistakes. That's rare for them to make mistakes, so you'd you'd assume... Um, they're making a mistake in this one. You're not going to see one for another 15, 20 games, uh, from them that that's sort of the caliber of players that they are. Um, you highlighted the fact that Salah was missing despite the commentators ignoring that fact the entire game. But obviously, you know, considering how good he is, um, that that is a major factor in, in him not being available. But yeah, I think for Liverpool, it was a horrible game game in terms of performance levels I don't think they can have any excuses in terms of the effort that was given in that one apart from maybe the 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 amount of games that they've played I think it was 
in the last 34 games, I think 34 days, Liverpool had played seven games. Arsenal had played three. Um, and it looked like it in that game. And I'm, I'm sure you as a Newcastle fan can appreciate, um, when the games rack up the team not performing at the levels, at least in terms of effort that you would expect. Um, obviously you're not going to win every game in the Premier League. Only, you know, only one team has gone where they haven't lost a game. It's going to happen. You're going to have bad performances. More so this season when it looks like the league will be won with around mid-80 points opposed to the 90s that we've become accustomed to with the standards that City have have, have set in recent years. So it's one of those, hopefully, from a Liverpool perspective, they quickly forget about it, rest up, recover, move on to the next games and focus on on trying to, to give City a run for their money this season. Burnley, you wouldn't expect them to to have too many issues with that one. I've gone two 0 to Liverpool. Um, I, I wonder if it's going to be one of those where Liverpool control the game for a lot of the time, but don't necessarily finish their chances. Certainly, if a lot of them fall to to Darwin Nunes, um, we, we've seen him hit the post way too many times this season. But yeah, I think two 0 is, is is a decent scoreline. Burnley, from their perspective, it it feels like just starting to gear for next season, figuring out is company going to be the one we're going to keep next season to try and bring us straight back up? How's the team going to shape up for next season? This is not a game that I think they can look to target to to pick up points. It, it's just one of those away from home against one of the best teams in the league. It, it, it's going to be tough for them. They'll, they'll try to pick up points elsewhere uh, throughout the rest of the season. Let's move on to Luton versus Sheffield United. You're obviously quite familiar with Luton, having played them last weekend. Um, were you impressed with what you saw from them? And then obviously Sheffield United, similar to Burnley, one of those teams that looks like they're heading in one direction, and that's that's back to the championship. Yeah, Luton were good last week. Obviously, they scored eight goals against Brighton and Newcastle in the same week. Obviously, very well done um, you know not many teams to do that um, and they did play with sort of an aggressive game plan they were very loose at the back um, really on another day Newcastle probably should have had the game one in the first half but they didn't and, and Luton were there to take advantage um, they did seem to really pick their pick their battles on the pitch they really targeted Dan Byrne which was, which was intelligent and you could see that there was a real tactical plan which you know sometimes with teams you don't really see that you just sort of see teams sort of go out and try and defend deep or you know, just go out and go through the motions and, and hope hope for the best worth looting. They, they did definitely have a, a, a designated game plan and, and you saw the fruits of that and, and the way they scored four goals. Um, it was, yeah, it was, it, I think it was, it was partly Luton played very well, partly Newcastle sort of taking it for granted. But yeah, you've got to give credit to Luton. Um, and I think the way they sort of, the, the way they're playing at the moment is just so aggressive and, and front foot that you've got to got to praise them uh, and got to admire them. You'd think they won't be too reliant on their way results. So last week was definitely a bonus. This is the one that they'd have penciled in for three points. And yeah, judging the way the two teams played last week, uh, obviously one conceding five, one scoring four. You've got to think there's only going to be one result, but sometimes it doesn't play out that way. Sheffield Giant would have also earmarked with fixtures, a massive one they really have to win if they're going to have any chance. Um, but yeah, it's difficult to see them doing that, I think. Um, the difference between the two teams is just so, um, Luton have just got a couple of players that have got that experience and, and that Premier League quality, especially Ross Barkley. I think the last couple of weeks he's been exceptional, uh, and it's really proven that he's still 
got what it takes to play, uh, play at this level. Maybe he's, he's enjoying being the talisman of a team at the bottom of the table. Be he's playing so well, and you'd think that they'll win this game. Um, I don't, I don't think they'll be scoring four again. Um, but I think that they'll they'll win it quite comfortably. Uh, I think two nil, two nil to Luton would be my prediction for this one. And yeah, I think that they're really building up ahead of steam this year. The likes of Palace, Brentford, Everton. You know, you've got to be slightly concerned about what they're doing um, because it does. Seem like there's a real threat that um, one of those promoted teams came up last year isn't going to go straight back down. Um, whereas you know a couple of months ago it looked like all three were destined to go back down. So yeah, now now the, the likes of Palace, Brentford, Forest, Everton will be really concerned about uh, Luton, and I think they'll increase the pressure on those said teams uh, at the weekend with another win. As you say, like they've they've been very aggressive, and then you add in the the the, the kennel with road factor as well. Um, I'm I'm not optimistic for Sheffield United in this one. Uh, what are your thoughts on Burton Diaz? Obviously, he's come in. He's looked lively. Um, we know his his journey to Spain didn't necessarily bear fruit the way he wanted to, but he's back in the prim- uh, in English football in the Premier League this time around. He he was linked with a couple of you know Premier League teams over the the past couple of seasons. Ends up at Sheffield United. It seems like. Um, you know, it, it it's not going to be a long stint in the Premier League if he's to stay with Sheffield United. Do you think he's putting enough tape down to possibly get a move to stay in the Premier League if Sheffield United go down? Definitely, you know, still early days. Um, you want to judge him for the rest of the season, but he started well. He's obviously scoring goals. He does look a real threat and he just looks confident in the way he's taking on uh, shots. Um taking shots on the one against Palace was so early outside the area it was really nicely taken on uh, it just shows the confidence he's got in his own ability it could easily have been um, quite badly uh, stung by what happened at Villarreal but he's obviously come back still confident in himself and yeah he's scoring goals and if you score goals in the Premier League you're always going to gonna have a chance of staying here um, Sheffield United obviously probably want to keep him when they stay up or go down but yeah if he, if he gets a few more before the end of the season I'm sure there'll be other other Premier League clubs looking at him, or perhaps um, ones that are going to come up this year that, that will be looking at him. Um, unless Villarreal really want to have another look themselves, if they've got, I think they've got a new manager coming in, um, or at least they've had a managerial change since, since he went there. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, um, he's got all to play for. But yeah, the more goals he scores, you know, the only the, the better for him uh, in the short term, especially. I, I agree with you there. And, and the reason I brought him up specifically, because I've got a 3-1 score prediction here. I, I think Luton go and win it, but um, I think Diaz continues that goal-scoring form he's shown for Sheffield United so far this season. He He's playing for a Premier League career, I think, this season. And despite what happens with Sheffield United, if he can put on tape uh, good performances, get lots of goals. I, I think he's someone that's going to be a smart signing for any of the teams, you know, that can see themselves being lower down on the table um, next season. If you can add a couple more goals into your team with a guy like him, you know, that that can be invaluable in terms of whether or not you stay up or, you know, to try and go a bit higher up the table. Let's move on to maybe one of the teams or two teams that were slightly more busier than everyone else in the transfer window that's just gone by. Tottenham versus Brighton. Tottenham, they obviously did quite a bit of business in the summer, I mean, in the winter, and that's obviously, respectively speaking, when you consider how little business the Premier League did. 
They get into that game against Everton. It's the early kickoff. Look like they're cruising to a win in that one. End up drawing 2-2. Um, what were your thoughts on their performance in that one? And then from a Brighton perspective, they had to respond to what happened to them um, in midweek. And, and boy, did they. That 4-1 win in a derby is a great way to respond. And, and lastly, um, if you want to touch on the um, Vicario incidents that have been happening, uh, where teams seem to be targeting him from set pieces, I, I don't know if you've got an opinion on that. Um, yeah, so I think that Tottenham are sort of finding form that I think is more consistent to them now. Uh, so what you'd expect from them, they obviously ran very hot at the start of the season. Uh, there was talk of a title challenge that was definitely premature. But now that, you know, they're looking like a team that, that you'd expect them to be, they're sort of very, quite good at home, playing attractive football. Um, maybe struggling a little bit away. I thought Everton definitely deserved a point, if not more on that day. They created so many chances. Um, Tottenham were clinical. Uh, Richarlison especially seemed to be in a, a really good vein of form. But um, yeah, I think this is more what you'd expect from Tottenham. I think we'll, we'll see them get plenty of wins, but also drop points as well, especially away from home. Um, so yeah, I'd expect that to be the way Tottenham's season progresses. Uh, Brighton, they've, they've had a really poor run in the league, really, uh, prior to last week. I think they came against Palace at a good, team, a good time. It seems to be really going poorly for Hodgson at, at Palace. But um, yeah, it's an important win. It'll be a confidence booster. And yeah, they, they'll definitely go to Tottenham and, and play attacking football. Like Tottenham will, will play their way, so it should be a really good game to watch. Um, yeah, I'd expect expect goals in this one. Um, I think Tottenham will probably win, but yeah, I think Brighton score as well. I'd say maybe three two. I think it could be a really really good game. Um, so yeah, I think I'll go three two for Tottenham uh, on Vicaria. I think it's something that we're going to continue to see. You know, once once something gets shown by one team every team will try to do it so it's you know it's up to him to you know, become more confident punching and that's, that's what his problem is he doesn't seem to be comfortable punching the ball so he just seems to either wants to catch it or, or doesn't want to go for it and I think he needs to be you know he needs to get more confident punching the ball because that, that would help him or Tottenham need to defend better and protect him which I don't think we've been seeing from them so yeah I think um, we'll continue to see teams target it um, Brighton obviously got some big centre-backs um, Dunk scored last week so yeah that would be They'll look to exploit that too. But yeah, I think it'll be a really good game. But yeah, I think Tottenham will, will, will edge it. There's no reason for teams not to target it at this point in time. And I was baffled by Everton in the second half, deciding not to employ that tactic they were doing in the first half as much as they should have, in in my opinion. Uh, yeah, as you, as you mentioned, either Spurs need to help protect him better or he needs to become more confident. Because as as the rules stand in the league and maybe it's something they'll look at at the end of the season he's got no claim here he has to either be stronger come in clear the ball or Spurs have to put a player between Vicario and the the um the other person that's trying to obstruct him just get a body there so that there's at least some degree of separation and and he has some sort of space to to run and get get a running start to attack some of these corners that are coming in I think this game's going to be fun. Uh, I think low-key it could steal game of the weekend because we've got a team in Brighton that like to wrestle possession away from you. We've got a team in Spurs that don't know how to do anything other than just attack. Um, it, it's, it's going to be very, very fun. My, my issue with Spurs at the moment, and it's definitely something that's going to come over time, is I don't know if they can control the game. 
if they can put their foot on the ball and sort of just dictate the pace of a game, it seems to either be all out attack or, you know, it's coming straight back at us and, and we have to defend. And that's going to make this game really interesting for me. Them not being able to control the game. I've gone 4-3. I've gone slightly higher than you in this one. I'm hoping for a really good game. I've gone 4-3 to Spurs. Um, so Spurs obviously end up winning it, but I think it's going to be a fun game. It's one of a plethora of games that are on at three o'clock, Jake. And if you want to be able to watch it in the UK, you, you, you don't have many options unless you link up with Liberty Shield. Uh, obviously this podcast is presented by EPRindex.com in association with Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN service, very easy to install, really easy to use, and has a whole host of features. Um, it can be used on multiple devices, whether you're traveling and you don't want to get locked out of your bank account or you want, you, you know, you want to be safe whilst using public Wi-Fi, which is a, a big thing nowadays. If you want to unlock geolocked content or you just want to protect your online data, then Liberty Shield is definitely for you. Uh, one of my favorite uses of it is simply to unlock content. Uh, that's putting myself in a different part of the world to unlock content that I wouldn't be able to get otherwise here in the UK. Uh, you guys can use it for stuff like Netflix, um, or, you know, to unlock geo-locked films. We know not all the EPR games are shown on TV in the UK and Liberty Shield is a great way to still watch every single EPL game. If you guys go to Liberty Shield and use the coupon code EPL25, you'll get 25% off. That's off of either the router or the software VPN with the software VPN downloading straight onto your devices. So it's really quick, really easy. I highly, highly recommend it. And, and we obviously thank them for sponsoring the show. Jake, um, before we come on to what has been the transfer window and, and your thoughts on Newcastle and, and, and maybe the lack of business and how they're, they're set up for the rest of the season and, and maybe, uh, the summer, if, 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 when, if we want to look a bit further ahead, um, we'll, we'll just go to, go to a short break, uh, and then we'll be back with Jake to sort of answer those burning questions with regards to Newcastle and, and how they're standing. We'll be right back after this short break. And we are back. Jake, talk to me about Newcastle. I mean, heading into the window, probably before this whole um, uh, issue that we've seen with Everton and Nottingham Forest with sustainability, profit and sustainability issues, um, Newcastle were probably one of the teams that were touted as going to be quite busy, maybe do some interesting business to to push on and, and try and secure Champions League football for, for a second year in a row. Yeah, I I think that any hope to get Champions League football went quite a long time ago. Um and I think that they're just sort of happy to happy to try and see what the season can be what can be salvaged, but I think it is difficult. It's it's not only you know but the injuries and the fatigues can have a lasting impact. We're seeing that especially late in games that we're not really able to close them out. It's it, even now we're not playing as often. We've still not really got the bench options, um, and that's been a huge turning point in the City game. You know they brought on De Bruyne and 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 whereas we didn't really we didn't bring anybody on and, and we couldn't do anything. So yeah, it just sort of became a 
a really difficult, um, really difficult last 20 minutes. And, and it's been the case last season where we've conceded a lot of late goals because we haven't had the people to bring on. I uh, hope that is slightly easing up. Obviously, Harvey Barnes came back last week. Wilson's back. I think Gordon's injury doesn't look too bad, so maybe he'll play at the weekend or be on the bench. Uh, Willock and Anderson are, are, are close as well, so hopefully just having the players back um, will help us have a good end to the season. But it is sort of difficult. We 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 fixed our waveform somewhat. You know, we went away to Fulham in the FA Cup and won. We went away to Villa and won last week. Um, but it seems our home form has, has taken a bit of a hit in, in return. Obviously, losing it against Forest and, and Man City and then drawing at Luton, being 4-2 down, you know, conceding seven goals at home against Luton and Nottingham Forest isn't good enough, really. So, there does seem to be issues. I think it's, it's partly down to the fatigue, partly down to the injuries, partly down to a lack of confidence of losing that many games in succession. It's going gonna, it's gonna to take a hit to your confidence. I think we're seeing that we're not playing as fluently as we were last season. Uh, but I think it's just a massive learning curve for the, for the coaches and the players. Um, I think getting back to one game a week is going to help us. I think, you know, the, the way we played against Villa was was very good. The way we came back into Luton shows that they're still fighting the squad. Um, then yeah, they're still they're still fighting. I think if, if you look at the league table, I think we're ninth. Um, so yeah, we're we're, we're well placed to sort of go for those European spots. Um, I think uh, yeah, I think if you look at goal difference as well, I think we've got the sixth best goal difference, which is normally quite a good indicator of how good you are as a team. So we hopefully push up up that table. Um, we're three points behind West Ham, uh, two points behind Brighton. I think they're the two teams we really need to target. They're going to have European football coming back soon. We've got to really target taking over those two teams um, and finishing at least in the top seven. Um, Manchester United are five points above us at the moment. We probably hope that we can we can try and keep, compete with them too. Um, but they seem to, you know, they, they're going to benefit from not having Europe like us. So we'll see if got getting players back and, and playing a little bit better. So we'll see on that one. But yeah, I think the target for Newcastle has to really finish at least in the top seven, uh, get European football of some description, and then just, you know, take a lot of lessons from this year, um, both in terms of score building, um, managing of players. I think even with all the injuries, Eddie Howe could have done a little bit more to manage the players uh, better. Um, and, and and maybe just some slight tweaks to the start of play to maybe make it less conducive to injuries, maybe you know, invest in, in the medical department, and, um, maybe decrease the, the average age of the squad. I think we've got one of the highest average ages. That's something that we've got to improve. There's, there's plenty to learn on, but I think the, the, the club talk about winning trophies. Maybe they'll do that one day, but it's going to take a long time to get there. And I think last year, I think slightly inflated expectations um, both internally from Newcastle fans, but also externally. Like I think neutrals are probably slightly surprised to see Newcastle down in eighth, but uh, in ninth. But also they're probably surprised to see Newcastle fourth last year. Maybe there's slightly more that's been expected from us. Um, but yeah, if, if we do win at the weekend and, and West Ham and, and Brighton don't win, we could be seventh. And after the run we've been on, you know, we'd probably say it's a good place to be in. We've got. We're in the, the sixth round of, uh, in the fifth round of the FA Cup against, uh, Blackburn. Um, so you'd think that's a game that we'd probably be hoping to win. And then, you know, we'll be in the last day of the FA Cup if we do that. So there's still plenty to play for this season, but I think, um, and, and also we, we've played, you know, Liverpool, Manchester City, 
and Aston Villa twice already. That's three of the top four we've played twice. So our, our fixtures are going to be slightly kinder than a lot of those around us. Uh, and with no Europe as well, you'd still be quite hopeful of Newcastle finishing strongly. But yeah, I think if we, if we finish seventh, um, finish in the top seven and then try and get into that, um, yeah, try and go as far into the FA Cup as possible, possibly even win it because I think the way the fixtures fall is a round of the European games. So, you know, if we did beat Blackburn and maybe we got drawn against, I don't know, Liverpool or Manchester City or Manchester United, um, maybe not Manchester United, but what, what, either Liverpool or Manchester City at home and it fell before a Champions League game or, or a crucial Premier League game, you know, maybe We'll, we'd fancy our chances on taking that in a, in a one-off game. We've knocked City out of the Carabao Cup this season in, in similar fashion. So, yeah, maybe we'd, we'd fancy ourselves in a game against any team in, in that competition. So, yeah, we've got to hope to finish strongly in the league, try and finish at least in the top 10, and then, yeah, try and try and go for that FA Cup. I think we're definitely well-placed to do that. I think the good thing about this season is you can have a run like Newcastle had and still have a chance to to get into Europe uh, this season. Jake, for me, I think you touched on something a bit earlier on that I'm going to be looking out for, which is growth uh, in terms of um, Eddie Howe, the team, the club, player management in terms of rotating players, playing the likes of Anthony Gordon until their wheels fall off and then continuing to play them just baffles me. And it's not like Eddie Howe's the only manager that does that. It's not like it's due to a lack of experience in European football because one of my biggest issues with Klopp is he does that. Um, Dominic Sabozla is obviously injured now. I think it was back in November, Liverpool had already used up about 80% of, or if not 70 to 80% of his available minutes. If you look at his average uh, minutes that he plays in a season, that's, that stats obviously from Simon Brundish, who, who does a great job keeping all of that kind of stuff on record, um, there at Anfield Index with Under Pressure podcast. But that, that stuff shouldn't be happening at this level. Um, and as I said, it's not like it's Eddie Howe, it's the lack of experience and stuff. Yes, that's a factor, but we need to see improvement from that then. Otherwise you'll end up like a club where it continues to be one of those things that ails you come the business end of the season when you're starting to win when you want to be winning trophies and the team is just flat they don't have you know that energy in their legs they they, they've kind of been burnt out throughout the whole season um yeah so that's one thing i want to see from newcastle i'm curious to hear from you if the team was challenging for top four or closer to top four whether or not um newcastle would have spent money or was it just the concerns Mm that many clubs have at the moment, which is that grey area of what counts as being an exception in this uh, profit and sustainability era and what isn't, which seems to be what caught Everton out um, and and why they ended up being um, looking to appeal the matter is they were saying some of the, the money that the Premier League counted against them is actually money that should be in that exception bracket which the Premier League created that that allowed teams to spend a bit more than maybe um, we would have expected Yeah I, I don't think Newcastle would have strengthened whatever would, would have happened I think they've been pretty clear in that they're um, quite restricted by by the profit and sustainability rules they, they don't want to 
they don't want to be seen to break them. I think what Newcastle are trying to do is is change the rules. I think there have been discussions on that this week and it's easier to come at a point of trying to change the rules if you're not seen to be breaking them already. So I think they're very, very conscious of that. Um, I think in the summer, they prob- they'll probably go heavier and there'll probably be a lot of movement out of the club to, to facilitate movement in. I think also, I think the way that uh, PSR works as well is that the money from the Champions League doesn't hasn't has yet to sort of come onto the club's books. Um, also, a lot of the sponsorships that they've done, uh, the, the new new deal with Adidas is quite lucrative compared to the previous sponsor, but also not in the accounts yet. So I think next year we'll see movement from Newcastle and having bigger revenues, being able to spend more, also moving players out. So I think the summer could be quite big. Um, but yeah, I think in this January they just wanted to be seem to be kept to keep um, seem to you know talk, be talking about PSR, trying to sort of put their case across to sort of relax those rules softly uh, and yeah if, if they're if they're not breaking the rules it's much easier to come across and sort of have a have a a, a real stake in that discussion you know if Newcastle were in course to break the rules then they're trying to fix and uh, trying to relax them it would seem it's quite a, a self-servant act even if it still is already I think that Newcastle aren't alone in in their views on the way that the, the PSL works in the Premier League um I don't think it's a Newcastle problem. Um, and I think that we'll probably see some sort of relaxation. Whether that is just, I, I don't think, you know, I don't know in what form that will come. Maybe, you know, these rules were created 10 years ago. Maybe there'll be some sort of adjustment for inflation. Maybe there'll be some sort of adjustment for, for, for something else. I'm not sure. But, um, yeah, I think that they will change. But yes, I think in, in January, Newcastle didn't want to be seen to be breaking those rules in ahead of what, what was to be be done in, in sort of discussions in Premier League meetings. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Um, I'll, I'll leave it at this in that I think going into next season, if Newcastle can finish in, in, in that seven spot, go into uh, a European competition, I think that would be great practice for where Newcastle want to end up. Because obviously the be all and end all for clubs is to, to get into those Champions League spots with, with the lucrative money that's um, involved there at the moment. If obviously, if you're, if you're not aiming to win the league, at least get into the Champions League. We, we get all that. But I think Newcastle want to be one of the dominant clubs in the Premier League. And obviously the owners, when they, when they bought the club and came in, that's sort of the ambition that they've set. I think. Being able to manage, and, and obviously this will help Eddie Howe, hopefully with his growth and experience, is being able to manage that European competition, if it's the Conference League, for example, and Premier League football will be a bit more, a bit easier, if I can say, rather than trying to manage Champions League and Premier League where Champions League, the fans are expecting your starting 11. Premier League, the fans are expecting your starting 11. It ends up being really, really tricky to manage that. Whereas, the European Conference, you can bed in some of the younger players, use the squad depth a bit more, get used to that, you know, sort of whether you have two teams, one for midweek, one for the weekend, however you you tailor the team um, going forward. And that will give him valuable experience, I think, for then future seasons when um, when it's now a Champions League versus Premier League and, and trying to balance that out. For me personally, I think Newcastle should, Stick with Eddie Howe and, and, you know, as the club grows, he grows as well. Obviously, there's shouts from other people that want maybe more well-known names. 
Um, I'm, I think you're in the camp of, of keeping Eddie Howe, if I'm not mistaken. Jump in if, 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 if I'm, if I'm wrong on that part. Um, but then we, we can then move on to Wolves versus Brentford and, and your thoughts on that game. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not, not in any Eddie Howe out camp yet. It's far too early for that. But yeah, Wolves against Brentford, um, should be a good game. Um, Wolves that obviously, uh, been very entertaining to watch this year. I think Gary O'Neill's done an excellent job. I sort of quite liked him at Bournemouth. Um, I know that there was a lot of, I, I think the Bournemouth fans weren't that keen. I thought they were very lucky to stay up. And I think there was a degree of that, but you could definitely see that O'Neill had done something to sort of help them stay in the league if it was just it, it did seem like it was sort of a motivational job more than it was a tactical job but I think we've seen this season at Wolves he's sort of got that tactical side as well um, and you can see how much he's learned from that Bournemouth job uh, and they do seem to go into games with tactical plans you see the way he's spoken on Monday Night Football in the last few months as well we went on with guests were quite impressive there yeah be really impressed with them um, I think they're much better at home than they are away, but then they did go to Stamford Bridge and win it last weekend, so maybe they're sort of working on that as well. Um, I think this is a massive game for uh, Brentford especially as well, because Brentford are sort of precariously positioned in the league. Uh, there was four of their last five, uh, and if you just look at their, their upcoming fixtures, they've got Wolves away, and they've got Liverpool at home, Manchester City away, West Ham away, Chelsea at home, Arsenal away. Burnley, uh, Burnley away, Manchester United away, Brighton, Aston Villa, then Sheffield United. They've got a really tough run of fixtures, you know, out of those. Up until that Sheffield United game in the middle of April, they've only really got Burnley that you'd think would be, would be an easy game. That is away from home against the team that, you know, who knows where Burnley will be at that point. They've got a really tough run of fixtures coming up. Um, yeah. And, and they could easily fall down into that bottom three. And if they do that, sometimes that can just become itself. Fulfilling prophecy once you get in under the bottom, uh, once you get under that line, especially for Brentford, who've never really been there since they got into the Premier League, it, it could have a mental impact. Um, so yeah, we don't know what happened there. Tony going back has been huge. The, his partnership with Morpay does seem to be getting better. Um, they do seem to enjoy playing with each other. That Tony's creating chances for Morpay, Morpay's, you know, creating space for Tony. It does seem to be working quite well. Um, but yeah, Wolves are just playing so well at the moment. Uh, Cunha. His his record this this year has been it's been incredible. He's got so many goals and assists, and he seems to be taking his game to a new level. And he's really developing into that player that Wolves thought they were paying, you know, up to forty million for when they got him from Atletico Madrid. He's been really really good. Um, Neto's come back from his injury, and I, I think when he's been fit this year, he's been one of the best attackers in the league. He's just so creative. I think he's he's one of the top assisters in the league despite missing three or four months of the season. So that's really impressive. Um, so yeah, this should be a really good game. I think there'll be goals. I think it'll be, you know, maybe it won't be one for the neutral in the way Tottenham and, and, and Brighton are with those two teams competing in that top seven. But I think this will be equally as good. Two really attacking teams. I think Brentford will know they've got to go for this with some of the fixtures they've got coming up. Wolves away, although very difficult, it's probably one of their kind of fixtures. So they've really got to target this game and that could open it up Wolves who are so good on the counter-attack. So yeah, it should be really good to watch. Then I'm going to go for another 2-2 uh, draw in this one. I think that there will be goals at both ends. And yeah, I can't, can't split them. I think Wolves are probably the more likely winner, but that extra motivation for, for Brentford and, and realising how massive it is for them could 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 sort of turn it their way. So I'll sit, I'll sit on the fence and go for a 2-2. I'm sitting right there with you. I've got 2-2 written down as well. And just to touch on those fixtures that Brentford have coming up. So obviously this Wolves game away from home, then next week they have to host Liverpool um, and then 
on the Tuesday, they have to travel to Manchester City. And then after that, they've got the um, game against West Ham. Um, after West Ham, they face Chelsea at home. Uh, obviously, Chelsea not in form, but you never know, you know, what the, what the players that Chelsea have. This is taking them into March. Um, and then after that, they've got Arsenal at home, you know, an Arsenal side competing for the Premier League. Then they have Burnley away when their games start to get a bit easier. But this is going straight way into mid-March before they sort of see the end of, you know, this, this really, really tough run of fixtures, Jake. If they're not picking up points in games like this, I know we've both given it a 2-2, but Brentford fans will be hoping that they get a win here just to give them a bit of breathing room because they're, they're not too far away from that relegation zone at the moment. Um, sitting on 22 points, um, they've got that game in hand, obviously, but unfortunately it's against Manchester City. 19 points could land them in, you know, is where Everton are. So looking at three-point difference between them and, and the relegation zone, obviously a couple of teams in between them with Luton and Nottingham Forest. But it is one of those things where Brentford are going to have to start looking behind them rather than ahead of them if they don't continue to or start picking up a bit more points. One win in their last five games. Tough, tough times for Brentford. They need to dig in. Obviously, Ivan Tony coming back, as you mentioned, is massive. Let's move on to Nottingham Forest versus Newcastle. And I'll obviously pass the baton on to you as the resident Newcastle fan. Coming against uh, a, a Nottingham Forest side, they had that new manager bounce. I don't know if it's still there, technically speaking. Obviously, tough for them with the amount of players that they had away for for AFCON and, and, and injuries and stuff like that. But you'd surely fancy Newcastle to continue to 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 try and climb up that table. You mentioned the, the, the hope to get into those European spots. I think a game away to Nottingham Forest, as tough as it is, is one of those games you have to target if you do want to get into those European spots. Yeah, definitely. I think we've got a really big Two games coming up uh, away to Nottingham Forest and home to Bournemouth. The two games that Newcastle will probably be the bookmakers' favourite for both of them. Um, but they're also two teams that, that have beaten Newcastle already this season. Um, and yeah, on their day, Bournemouth and Nottingham Forest, they're not going to go down. They're not good enough to sort of finish in the top half, but they are tricky teams that can beat anybody on their day. And we've seen that this season. I think the city ground is not quite the fortress it was last season. Um, and I think, yeah, the missing players they're still going to have. Um, it will help us. They've obviously got a game tonight as well as we record. They've still in, got an FA Cup replay. So then it'll be interesting to see how, how strong they go for that game. Uh, and if they go strong, you know, Newcastle for, for much of this year have been the ones that have been fatigued playing these games, but they'll have sort of the, the, the extra rest advantage of Nottingham Forest, which I think will be important. Um, the way they beat us at, at on Boxing Day as well is really disappointing. And, we do seem to bounce back when a team is sort of seemingly, you know, if we've seen, seen to, to come out on the wrong side of the result, we do seem to bounce back um, when we play them next. Um, didn't quite work out a loop last weekend, but hopefully it will it for us. I think our way would be better as well. Um, the Fulham game, was, 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 we played very well in that game, sort of controlled it, got the result. Aston Villa were very dominant in the first half and then sort of managed the game as it went on. Um, so yeah, hopefully another another win away from home that will be big. I think Forrest, um obviously got some very good players. I think Aaron Nee coming back is big. He, he scores goals at this level. Uh, Morgan Gibbs White is excellent as well. Um, but yeah, they, they don't seem 
I think with Nuno, we know what they're going to do. They're going to set up deep and try and counter. And I just think that if they do that, we've got the players to to break them down. And yeah, I, I think the extra days rest for us compared to Forest um, and sort of the disappointment of not beating Luton, but sort of carrying on the momentum anyway. You know, it's disappointing to drop points ahead to Luton, but we came back from 4-2 down. So in some ways, we've still got the momentum with us. We've won two and drawn one of our last three games. Hopefully continue that um, this week. And yeah, I think with every week where we get time on the training ground, we will see improvements in Newcastle. So I think we will, I think we will win. Um, I don't think it's going to be a great game. I think it's going to be scrappy. Maybe a set piece will win it for us. Um, or, you know, um, a set piece will get us on our way that it did it at, at Fulham and the FA Cup and at Villa. So yeah, I think I'm going to go for a 2 0 Newcastle win, but I don't think it's going to be, it's not going to be free flowing football. But yeah, I think we'll, we'll have enough to, to get the points. I, I agree with you, you guys having enough to get the points in this one. I've gone 2 1 though. I, I like the way Nottingham Forest are playing at the moment. And I do think they've obviously been unfortunate with some of the games that, that they've had. Obviously, back to back 2 1 results. Um, sorry, against bigger teams in Man United and Arsenal in, 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 you know, a couple of weeks back, they had the 1-1 draw with Bournemouth that we mentioned earlier. But I think against big teams, they, they seem to, to kind of throw their elbows in there. They're not too shy. They're going to be at home. So obviously maybe a bit more bullish in that one. Um, I, I think they're going to fancy this one, but Newcastle's quality is just going to come through, um, and, and eke a win in this one. I've gone 2-1. I'm, as you said, it's not necessarily going to be one of the highlight games of the week, but I'm interested to see the performances of both teams and how that sets them up going on for, for the rest of the season. Nottingham Forest, 21 points at the moment, one of those teams that is flirting with that relegation zone. Let's move on to West Ham versus Arsenal, obviously that London derby. For West Ham, um, they look good in terms of position in the league. I don't know if they look as good in terms of performances do you put that out more to obviously Kudu's going away for for Afcon and and, and stuff like that? That or is it just West Ham being West Ham? I don't know what to make of them this season. They every time I look at the table, I'm like, okay, they look in a decent position, and right now they're sitting in seventh place in that coveted seventh position, so very decent for them. But I then look at that performance against Man United, a Man United side that was struggling, and you're thinking, what what is going on with West Ham at the moment? And then obviously Arsenal, they'll be bouncing into this one, happy with the performance against Liverpool. Uh, that's three wins on the trot for them, three wins with uh, really good score lines, the 2-1 against Nottingham Forest, that 5-0 against Crystal Palace that probably started the issues for for, for Roy Hodgson there, and we'll, we'll get to Crystal Palace at, towards the end of the podcast. But... I think for me, Arsenal continue the good form, continue putting pressure at the top of the table. I've gone with a 2-0 Arsenal win. Yeah, I think that's a good prediction. I think West Ham, yeah, they, they do seem to, to get points. Um, to, they just seem to just chip away um, getting points. They've got Bowen and Kudos for the attack, which are two very good players that could play for pretty much any team in the division, I think. Um, the Pacatel being missing has sort of hurt them over the last few weeks. They were Hope that he might get back for this game. So if he does, that'll be that'll be big for them. Uh, but yeah, with the European competitions coming back as well, I think we'll see West Ham start to slip down that league table. I really can't see them finishing in the top top eight. Really, I just 
when you you look down the teams in that top ten, I, I think they're probably the ninth or tenth best team in the league, and I think that that'll sort of be where they fall to. But yeah, they, they've got a massive chance, and they do sometimes pull up big results at home under Moyes against big teams. We we have seen it before, but I think Arsenal after getting that win against Liverpool, um, I think that they'll they'll really just yeah they'll just they'll just find it over gear now uh, and I can't see them dropping sort of, sort of points so soon after that game. I think they'll, they'll have a lot of momentum, a lot of confidence. And I think West Ham will try and sit deep against them, uh, try and counter it. But I think Arsenal are just going to be sort of too, too game-wise for that. I think they're going to they're gonna find a way to get a goal. Um, and yeah, if they get one, especially if they get it early, I think it could be quite a routine win for them. So yeah, I think I'm going to go for a 2-0 Arsenal win in this one. Um, and yeah, I think that it should be, should be quite an easy one for Arsenal on the day. Well, let's move on to fourth place versus sixth place. Aston Villa will be hosting Man United. Villa had that disappointing uh, loss or, you know, depending on which hat you're putting on, but I'm sure they would have been disappointed with the home loss to Newcastle, especially what happened to them against Newcastle at the beginning of the season, Jake. Uh, you, you must love playing Villa and, and, and I'm sure you're hoping you're, you're playing them every week, but... Um, they bounced back with that 5-0 win against Sheffield United where Sheffield United fans were leaving the ground within the first 20 minutes. I don't know if we're going to see the same from Man United. Obviously, they're the away team. Um, I, I don't know if their fans, after having travelled, will, will want to leave after 20 minutes. But we, we've seen it before with, um, I think, to Spurs fans. Um, when you guys played them, um, Jake, I'm sure you fondly remember that game. But... For this game, Jake, how do you see it going? A Villa side that's hoping that they've bounced back and then a Man United side that, dare I say, have some sort of form at the moment. They've got Harjland starting to score goals. I say this with trepidation because I'm not sure how much I can put weight onto United and form and United players and form uh, considering what we've seen for most of the season, yeah, I think I think you've got to got to sort of give Manchester United some credit and say they have they have managed to build up some form. But that being said, uh, I think against West Ham, the three 0 score was very flattering to Manchester United. West Ham had a lot of chances. Uh, Manchester United had their own chances, but they seemed to they were so clinical, and and I think West Ham, I think over the course of the game created a, 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 over one more expected goals than, than Manchester United in the game so got to be slightly concerned about that and I think it was against Wolves as well um, they conceded lots of chances that day um, created several good chances too but it, it was very sort of they, they were sort of hoping just to outscore Wolves that day they did in the end but I don't know how sustainable that sort of form is and, and, and going up against West Ham we didn't really see that same level of chance creation although they did score three goals again um, they were just a lot more clinical on that day and slightly fortunate a couple of deflections as well so yeah I think you've got to be somewhat encouraged as a Manchester United fan just because it's it is better than what you've been watching but I also don't think that they've been the two sort of dominant performances that you'd want um, against Wolves and West Ham and you're going away to Villa it's going to be tricky we've obviously seen them beat Villa already this season come back from come back from 2-0 down that day so they've got some sort of form Villa um, 
I don't think Villa have been really that good in the last couple of months. Obviously, they, they were very convincing winners last week, but I think any any team would have been convincing winners that day at Sheffield United. Um, so yeah, it's a big one for Villa, and it it's it, it's almost a six pointer in the fact that Manchester United are that team in sixth position at the moment. If they win, you know, Villa don't look as secure in that top five. Um, it is it is a massive game in 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 that regard. If Manchester United want to get back into the top top five, which will probably be Champions League, um, they really need to win win against Villa. Uh, they they would go within four points of them. So you know that is quite a quite a big um, yeah five points of them. Sorry, so yeah, it's quite a, quite a big quite a big swing, and obviously if Villa win that. One. That'll be extended to 11 points. So yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a massive game for Manchester United. If they win, it does really, really open that, that sort of hunt for Europe, uh, and finishing that top five, uh, especially with Villa having the, the conference league coming back soon. So yeah, it's, it's a huge game. And I think Manchester United have got the players to sort of pose, pose problems for Aston Villa. We saw the way Newcastle did it a couple of weeks ago. They, they, they exploited that high line. They got men in behind and they were clinical, uh, when they got there. I think Manchester United have the same sort of profile of player. You can see, Rashford and Garnacho getting in behind that that high line, um, and if you do give chances to Rashford and Garnacho, they're very clinical. So yeah, I think it's it's going to be an interesting one. I think Villa are going to have the, the better play, and they're going to be the dominant team. But I could easily see Manchester United creating the better chances on the day. Um, so yeah, it's going to it's, it's going to be it's going to be huge. It's going to tell us exactly where Manchester United. It, Manchester United are going to tell us, you know, if, if Villa have regressed somewhat from from what they showed earlier in the season. See, so, yeah, I think I think I'll give Villa the edge, but I'm I'm really uncertain. I think this could really go any any three ways. I'm really not confident on how I rate either team at the moment. So I think I'll give it to Villa just because of their home record. I, I struggled to see them losing another game at home so soon after. But then they've got they've got a game against Chelsea tonight as we record. So obviously. Maybe that extra rest of Manchester United will benefit them. Who knows? Um, re- this is a really tight game to call. I think it's probably the hardest game to call of the weekend. Uh, I think I'm going to just give Villa the edge 2-1. But yeah, really wouldn't shock me if it was a draw or, or if Manchester United managed to win. Yeah, I've gone 2-2 two, two in that one. It's that high line for me. I, I think it's going to suit Bruno Fernandes playing first-time balls over the top to the likes of Rashford. It's just about the decision-making from Man United on the counter-attack, whether or not they can execute that. But let's move on to Crystal Palace versus Chelsea, the last game of this game week. Two clubs that are in what seems turmoil at the moment. Certainly their managers are under a lot of pressure. What do you make of this? Is, is this El Sacco? Is this the game that could get someone set? Maybe. Uh, maybe it really could be. Um, who, who's to say Pochettino's even in the dugout? We could, if they, <laughs> they get, if, if they get heavily beaten by Villa tonight in the FA Cup, that could, that could almost be a turning point. Who knows? So, so we'll, 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 I'll discuss it with the idea that Pochettino will still be there. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think even with how bad Chelsea have been, I think that Crystal Palace are in a much worse position. And I just think the doom and gloom there is just so reminiscent of what I've seen at Newcastle in our two years where we got relegated. It just seems so similar. You know, there's really no buy-in to the manager. There doesn't seem any real desire to move him on. Um, there's so many players just getting injured and re-injured. The supporters are, are protesting almost on a weekly basis. It, it must be a, a really horrible place to play your football at the moment. Whereas Palace before the atmosphere has been great. 
We've also got the Homesdale end where, you know, you get the, the sort of the ultras there, uh, make a lot of noise. And so it's not been like that. It's a lot of protest and it's sort of a negative atmosphere to play your football in. And as bad as Chelsea have been, I don't think Chelsea are bad because they're not playing for the, playing for the club. I, I think they're bad because they're, the squad's been put together in a bad way. But I think the talent advantage they'll have on Monday and just the utter sort of turmoil at Palace should lead to Chelsea getting quite a comfortable win. I think that Elise and Eze being out, there's a snow spark at Palace. They're going to set up defensively. And I just, they're set up defensively in the last couple of games and conceded very early on. And I think it's going to be similar here. I think Cole Palmer, Sterling and Cuckoo, there's too much attacking talent in that Chelsea team not to, not to win the game at Palace. And when you take Eze and Elise out of that team and Decore as well, they just look very average and yeah I think well I think Palace are the ones I really fear for if they keep Roy as it looks like they're going to like I don't see which manager would really want to take that on at the moment it just seems to be a they do really seem to be ahead in one way and I think Chelsea are going to win I'm going to go and then I'm going to go 4-0 Chelsea I think it could be really, it could be that convincing Surely, surely they have to do something if, if that's the case. Obviously, there's the rumours of Gareth Southgate um, calling it after uh, the Euros with England and him being lined up for that Crystal Palace job, which is why they're waiting and, and sticking with Roy Hodgson. But you'd imagine if they go down, that that deal goes out the window. So it, it's crucial for them to, to do well in the rest of the season. But for this game, unfortunately for them, I've gone 3-0 to Chelsea. I think the attacking threat of Chelsea is going to be enough for them to to see out this game and maybe hopefully if you know we'll see how tonight goes but maybe that puts a little bit of breathing room for Pochettino and we see if he can hang on to his job uh, for a couple of weeks forward but Jake that's going to do it for another episode of A Tad Predictable do you have anything you want to plug put over or promote before we wrap up? You can get me on Twitter at Jake Jeff with two ends up also I do a lot of stuff for EPL Index, so yeah, check that out uh, as well. Thank you very much. Doing my job for me um, from my end, guys. As Jake has mentioned, check out all the content on EPL Index website. Their match previews, post-match review, player performances, all of the news that you guys could uh, obviously wish for heading into the next transfer window, but more specifically, what's going on in and around the Premier League uh, at the moment. Jake, do, do you have a particular article? Maybe I'm putting you on the spot here, but one that, that you enjoyed doing recently that you'd want people to go check out? Oh, I can't think of anything recent, um, but there will be some stuff coming up over the next the next couple of weeks. So yeah, keep, All right. keep an eye out. I've got a few ideas, but I don't want to spoil them here. Fair enough, fair enough. Just keep an eye out uh, for those ones. Guys, go and check out the Daily Podcast show. It's a two-footer podcast with Dave Hendrick where he discusses the hottest topics in football. Finally, also check out Flagship Show that runs weekly. It's the EPL Roundtable where Kev DeVries sits down with panelists from respective EPL teams. They do the reviewing of the Premier League. We do the previewing. I was on there last week, so that episode came out, I think, on Monday. So it's still out if you guys want to go check that out. We also go into depth with the whole profitability, sustainability, the responsibility from a financial perspective that the Premier League has been enforcing recently and why teams have been you know, quite um, quite careful not to overspend this transfer window. So definitely go and listen to that podcast. We we break things down there. Um, we also give perspective from uh, clubs and, and how they approached 
things heading into the window. Guys, go and um, follow the Twitter show. Go and follow the show, sorry, on Twitter at a tad predictable. Go and follow at EPL Index on Twitter. Subscribe to EPL Index podcast channel on your podcast providers. Give us five stars, write positive comments. That stuff really does help us out. I've been Tidio Shinakira. You can find me on my Twitter handle at Tad Predicts. Huge thank you to Obi Semenya. He's at John Empire SA and Jody McKenna. She's at Spursy1414. Our guest intros. Our producer behind the glass, Mr. Guy Drinkle. He's at Guy Drinkle on Twitter. He's been Jake Jackman at Jake Jackman with two N's on Twitter. And remember, Chisinga Perry, Chinoshura. Podcast Network.